talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we cover everything. Hello and welcome once again to the All Star Superfan Podcast, the podcast that delves into any and all things Superman throughout the full 80 year legacy of the Man of Steel. I'm one of your hosts, Rob O'Connor, and I am joined once again by the Midlands Man of Steel, the one and only Mr. Alan Burke. How are you doing tonight, sir? How are you doing, Rob? I couldn't be more excited for today's episode. Um, I've been looking forward to this for the last couple of weeks, so I'm just eager to get right into it. Amazing. Uh, once again, we'd like to remind you that you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at All Star Superfan, follow us on Twitter at All Star Superpod, and please get in touch and let us know your thoughts and feelings on all of the exciting topics we discuss on tonight's episode. And they are very exciting. Uh, we are so, so excited to welcome a very, very special guest, filmmaker, documentarian, and one of the biggest Superman 3 fans on God's Green Earth <laughs> next to Alan Burke. I'm so excited to welcome Mr. Oliver Harper to the show. Hello, chaps. How you doing? Very, very well. Um, we, 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 uh, Oliver, we're both huge fans of uh, your work on YouTube. I've been watching your reviews for years. Um, Alan, I know you are as well. Alan, Alan's, Alan's a yeah. little bit starstruck right now. Yeah, I'm a bit starstruck. I have been... Oliver was basically the, the very first YouTube channel that I really followed in depth. And for the last wow. 10 years, I have been watching the retrospectives. I love them. Um, every time one drops, I always put time aside to sit down on my own and watch it. I love it. And everything that you cover, Oliver, is really... It's, it's right in our wheelhouse, to be honest. Like, it, you're, it, like it, things from... Uh, Masters of the Universe, Predator, Terminator, Robocop, especially I'm a huge Robocop fan, all that stuff. Uh, like it's it's fantastic. And and the, the retrospectives are amazing. And that's not even bringing uh, in search of the last action heroes into it at all, which was a great documentary. So um, we're so privileged to have you here today. Thanks a million for joining us. Well, it's great to be on the show and it's great to hear your enthusiasm for my work. It's uh, it's always good to hear from fans because it's all just like when you, when you read stuff, it's just like, you know, comments on yeah. the video or social media but when you talk to people directly it's a bit more like apologize i'll pause there <laughs> my ear, ear pause for that, my ear. but um but yeah when you sort of talk to people sort of face to face it's a little bit more a bit, bit more interesting you know and uh and it sort of feels a bit more real in that way and not just uh this kind of you know comments online but yeah it was great yeah. to, great to be here and you know talk about superman which is going to be fun he- yeah, we're huge Absolutely. Superman fans. We can't wait to get into it and uh, and to, to, to get into your experiences with the character and why you love the character, if you love the character, what you love about him. It's, it's, we're really looking forward to this. Fantastic. So, so, Oliver, do you want to start us off maybe by telling us maybe your first uh, interactions, your earliest memories with Superman? Um, well, it's my earliest memory um, was probably in hospital of all places. Um, I had an operation as a child and they had this desk, like a waiting room, and on the desk there was Superman 3, the comic book, the movie adaptation. And um, I was like, wow, because on the front cover it's got a great photo of Christopher Reeve sort of flying from the junkyard scene. And I, because there's stuff that's kind of sat there, I asked my mum if I could have it. And the nurse said, yeah, you can have it. So that was my kind of early kind of memory of seeing in particular Christopher Reeve as Superman and um, I've argued with my mum many a times but she still thinks Superman the movie was the first sort of interaction with him but I I always thought it was Superman 3 because I just remember sitting in the lounge 
as a kid and just being freaked out by the ending, you know, when the Vera gets yeah. sucked into the machine. I'm just like, ah, just terrified by it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was kind of it. And it was, you know, Superman, you know, comics and so forth. But I do, I do recall having a sort of, you know, because obviously in the UK, they blew up like the US ones into the UK ones. So the bigger comics, weren't they? Mm. Um, and sort of seeing, I remember seeing like Superman 4, like competition on like a pizza it was weird. Like you can win tickets to see Superman four, and also the pizza had been sat there for years because it was like maybe a year or two after the film had come out. Um, but yeah, that was it was always sort of images images I saw of Superman, and um, obviously the George Reeves show as well. That was kind of on repeat, you know, on BBC One. Uh, they had wow. they had it in color, obviously because they you know very clever at the time. They shot like seasons what three and four in color, didn't they? Before. Yeah, color televisions were even sold. Um, they're kind of very sort of thinking ahead, and so yeah, being quite wowed by George Reeves as Superman. I remember, I remember this, his cape was just so like the back bit where his neck would just be, would hang so low, like yeah. it was just like he got like a massive tea towel and just like you know tucked it round his <laughs> round his top. But I remember just yeah, being quite wowed by that. But it was really everything. My obsession with Superman sort of always stemmed with Chris as the character, and everything that's kind of. Outside of that, like the comics and cartoon, I enjoyed, but it was always my kind of. I always kind of stuck with with Chris Reeve, and I, I you know I appreciate the character of Superman himself, but it was more of Chris's portrayal that really sort of sold me on who Superman was, and and how Chris sort of went with the character to make him such a believable sort of um, yeah. sort of having this comic book come to life, and Chris was the only one, and still is to this day, the only person to make you believe that. You know, Superman is real in some way. Absolutely, it's, absolutely. I, I completely agree. I it's really interesting hearing you say that you watched the the George Reeves uh, show on television because I never. I, I grew up in the nineties and I I never heard about that show. I didn't know it existed until you know internet forums in the mid two thousands and then going buying the DVDs and all that. And I've I've since seen the entire series and all that, but. It's amazing to think that it was ever just on television, you know. It, yeah. yeah, because it, it, it like never so long ago. It never played here in Ireland, as far as I know. Um, oh, really? It was never on ter- terrestrial television, and we we used to have the BBC. It was probably on. It was probably on BBC, but I, I it was I definitely just, never yeah. on in our lifetimes. I don't. Know. It was on. Yeah. Um, it was on. Yeah, it must have been eighty eight, something like that, or maybe eighty seven. You had Andy Peters and Ed the Duck, you know, and you Andy had Peters. and you had they were showing Superman cartoons. All was this kind of little bit I always kind of missed most of it you always catch it in the morning yeah. flicking through and there was also the cartoons actually on channel four very early on in the morning I think on a Friday no on a Saturday they'd play the old I think it's the 19 is it 60s cartoon or Superman probably the 60s ones with Bud Collier doing the voice yeah, yeah. back in the 60s they were great yeah, because which is a... I bought those on DVD I imported them not long ago actually because it's like it's like listening to a radio play just with visuals yeah. you know and um up up and yeah, away, that sort of thing. I, I remember uh, the local video, the local video shop in in Ireland used to have one of those. The only experience I had with those um, cartoons was the local video shop had um, cassettes, and they'd have like maybe thirty cartoons on one cassette: Bugs Bunny and all the Warner Brothers ones, and, and uh, kind of spaced throughout those uh, those films, they'd have one or two of those old cartoons, and I used to love them. They were brilliant. It's also like you know the Fleischer cartoons as well was such a yes an easy oh, yeah. it's kind of easy to get hold of those because they were sort of public domain so there's always so many different variants of these covers of the because yeah. the cover would be, would be great think oh my god that's a different Superman yeah. 
cartoon and it's the same one you've already got you know just like oh <laughs> yeah the mechanical monsters again oh bollocks um, I, I always remember that, that there'd be there'd be this amazing vhs cover with this like really modern image of superman and you think well what's this cartoon i've never seen this before and you bring it home and it's you know the bulleteers or the fucking <laughs> volcano one i've seen a million times on like a million other vhs those, those have aged so beautifully i mean they're yeah, they're yeah. just beautiful pieces of art um i've only watched them again recently and they're just they've aged so superbly and oh, they were yeah. such a, a fantastic influence on other shows like batman the animated series you know back in oh, the 90s sure. and stuff yeah. had such a great legacy and even up to recently where tyler hecklin has worn the 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 costume from that era in the new superman and lois tv that's show right yeah yeah that was quite so, a surprise to see when i watched that yeah kind of recently. yeah i was like wow that's that's quite cool but i, I thought to myself well she needs to be wearing the chris reeve suit <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so is a christopher reeve the christopher reeve version is that's the apex of the superman pyramid for you um oliver is it like like for myself I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I've, you know, also we've had so many since Reeve with Dean Kane yeah. and Brandon Routh and Henry Cavill and um, the new chap. I can't remember his name. Tyler, yeah. <laughs> yeah Tyler, Tyler, Eklund. Tyler Eklund. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, but yeah, because I think, I think, I think Ralph probably had a good stab at it, but I think the writing kind yeah. of let him down and he's, you know, and, and his chance to really shine. But I, I think, you know, when we saw him again in a sort of, uh, that sort of crossover multiverse thing. I was like, wow, he's actually kind of nailing it. I always, I said yeah. years ago that I think when Ralph got older, I think he'll look more and more like Superman and he does. And um, yeah, he I does. Agree. I just think um, if he was given the opportunity again to sort of be on the big screen, I think he would really make, do something quite special. But you know, with with Henry and uh, Henry's kind of you know he looks the part, but I don't think he acts the part, and that's uh, I think it's obviously down to writing. I agree again. more. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's definitely, and we've spoken about it before. There's definitely a certain warmth um, and richness to the character that I think is missing with the with the newer with the newer versions. Yeah, it, it seems to me as a as a fan of Superman and the classic way he's been interpreted. I think the the new stuff it's it's appealing to people that aren't really fans of Superman um, and, and, yeah. who, and who he was. And I think that sort of fan base has sort of been quite vocal and make a, made a lot of noise to support that direction of Superman. And th- things get lost and don't understand why his version isn't doing as well as the others, perhaps. And I think they're kind of missing the point that what makes Superman great is the sort of warmth and the smile and the sort of, you know, you, you want to see Superman just saving people yeah. or catching a cat out of a tree you don't want him to see him punching i know a rocket or something i don't know something that's kind of you Absolutely. know what we seem to the extremes in the in the zach snyder version well it definitely seems it definitely seems like over the last 10 15 years we've been inundated with not only kind of the harsher version of superman but so many iterations of evil superman and dark superman and alternate superman i know it's a it's a it's a bone of contention with rob i know rob is uh, up, up to up to here up to his limit with you know the different variations of of the inverse superman as such and you know we, we, we'd just love to see something that's a little bit more back to the source material i think well just something light-hearted and fun you know it's yeah. uh, that's you, cinema is a is a is is escapism you know you don't want the harsh reality of life just being thrown into to a superman film to a certain degree i think it was a great thing that john williams said wasn't it a number of years ago when he was interviewed for the sort of superman dvds and he said there may be other interpretations but i don't think they'll get it quite as right you know yeah uh, yeah i i i've i've always found that quote very interesting because i i i do agree to a point but i 
I, I think there's a there's a good balance that they just haven't reached yet and they've come so close so many times and they just keep letting us down. Mm. Like I, I thought in, in the run up to Man of Steel, I thought, wow, this is going to be it. This They finally found that balance of, you know, the, the comforting nostalgia and the tradition with, you know, bringing in slightly more kind of realistic grounded elements to it and a more human experience and maybe taking the lessons we learned with Batman Begins and, and all that kind of stuff, but applying it to Superman in a way that'll you know be true to the character and then it just wasn't that at all <laughs> well, so it's a great thing of marketing marketing isn't it because you know the teaser yeah. for man of steel was great you had two teasers didn't yeah. oh, so the one good. with the voiceover with kevin costner then the other one with um, yeah. uh russell crowe you know then the the third trailer they put out was so well edited with the superman man of steel theme i was like this is going to be incredible and then i saw it in 3d yeah. i was just like this gave me a monstrous headache because don't watch it in 3d i <laughs> you know? i think it, it was a very interesting thing they did there because they focused in on on kind of all the warm character moments and they made it feel like the pacing of the movie was going to be this nice even kind of relaxing kind of warm movie and then it just the actual film just had this real frenetic pace yeah and there was constant action constant cgi and the trailer downplays all of that which i think is <laughs> i suppose you know, it's sort of anyway the makeup for the um the lack of action i suppose in superman returns wasn't it well i, 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 I yeah, think like that that was the main criticism people had of superman returns is oh he doesn't punch anything and, like Smith. there's a million other things wrong with that movie <laughs> that nobody really talks no. about <laughs> Uh, the, the big thing about the big thing about those movies, I think, is for our generation, we all have fond memories of seeing those movies with, like you said, Oliver, with parents or going to the theater with parents or renting them out with our parents and sitting down. I, I have a daughter. I wouldn't be comfortable sitting down and watching the Justice League film with her or letting her watch Man of Steel until she's a good bit older. And I think that's I think that's an awful shame mm. um, these days that that aspect of the character that it's it's kind of been removed from. You know, the intended audience has always been children, you yes. know, um, as an entry point. And if children can't go and see it or, you know, or children are upset by it, then surely there's something has gone has gone astray with 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 the route that it's taken, I think. That's true. That's true. I, it's, Superman is, is fundamentally family entertainment. And if it kind of if yeah. it isolates or kind of alienates, sorry, you know, a younger audience, then I think they're doing something fundamentally wrong with Superman. I think they, Superman doesn't work in a sort of darker aspect. He's all about light, you know, hope. Yeah. Yeah. And if you kind of skew that up, you know, uh, it's, it's no longer Superman. So it's, it's that sort of trying to make Man of Steel or I suppose Superman, like Batman Begins in a way, which it doesn't work that way, you know, yeah. Superman. And I think Nolan knew that, but I think the case with Nolan's, you know, influence on Man of Steel was kind of there in the sort of, I think beginnings really of it all. When it goes yeah. a bit chaotic and crazy, I think it's very much Zack in control, and you can see the the influence of his other films in that in Man of Steel. You, can, you know, you can really see the trajectory of Christopher Nolan's involvement. Like as the movie went on, he kept kind of pushing it away, saying, "Oh no, I'm I'm just I'm just <laughs> here to kind of you know wish Zack Snyder well." Like he he kind of washed his hands of it towards the end of it. Oh, I yeah, really yeah. think. I'm surprised he's got his name attached to Batman vs Superman. You know, which is like completely yeah. against oh, what. Goodness. You know the character Superman kind of is, and you know what I suppose maybe it was that Nolan had maybe envisioned in somewhat to what Superman would be on his next interpretation on the big screen. But yeah, yeah. but let, let's dial the, the 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 clock back a little bit um, because obviously Oliver, I know you're an incredible advocate of the Reeve movies. You've spoken at length about how Superman the movie is one of your favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. 
and um and, and i know you have a lot of fondness for superman 2 as well we're not going to talk about that at all today um i, I want to hear you uh, talk about superman 3 because i alan i know loves superman 3 i really 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 like superman 3 and i've seen it a million million times mm. i think there's plenty wrong with it but i think it's a really really charming film and i know you love it a lot so can you tell us a little bit about your fondness for superman 3 well it's you know superman 3 i i'll always admit is objectively not very good but subjectively <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> the yeah. um, I well it's, it's down to down to nostalgia <clears throat> it's down to nostalgia because it's it's very much the sort of the refilm that sort of that sort of that my gateway into those movies and it's the one film that kind of stands on its own as a sort of James Bond adventure where you don't have to be, you don't, you don't have to have seen Superman 1 and 2. It's, you can jump straight into it and know, who, know what's going on. You won't be lost. Uh, it's got, you know, it, it deals with kind of contemporary themes of, you know, the influence of computers, uh, cyborgs thrown into it, um, and the use of sort of profiting of kind of undercutting, taking the one, what Gus Gorman does is sort of, you know, uh, taking the, the pinching pennies to make, you know, out of all these transactions. A very smart kind of idea, which obviously the film Office Space kind of kind of homages, yeah. you know, um, later on. Um, as a sort of fan of Christopher Reeve, it's, to me, I think by that point, he was so confident in the role. Every scene he's in, he's he's on top four. You know, the best physique yeah. he's ever been in, I think, at the time. Yeah. Um, he's really kind of totally comfortable in the part. He's not... And also in the first film, he's kind of his weight is fluctuating because he's constantly working mm. out and trying to get the right shape. And by the end of the film, he's like, "That that is how he's supposed to look." Uh, number two, he's like he's built like a bear. He's he, and by number three, he's more refined in everywhere in every sort of area of his kind of body and his kind of performance is completely sculptured yeah. into what his inversion of Superman is supposed to be. Um, outside of that, I mean, you've got obviously the, the problem being that Warner Brothers. I suppose the Solkinds didn't really know where to go with Superman. Obviously, Ilya Solkind had his idea of Brainiac and introducing Supergirl and all this stuff. Um, far, far more cosmic adventure. Um, but you know, if you think at the time, it probably would have been far too, far too expensive to do. And just having Richard Pryor kind of thrown in, sort of like, I, I also, I don't think, I don't think studios really knew what to do with Richard Pryor. He had this fan base, general, but yeah. didn't know how to utilize him and put him in a Superman film because he loves Superman. Um, and I. I don't think Gus. I don't think Richard Pryor is is bad in the film. I just don't think he fires on all cylinders because he's. I think he's he's conflicted in in a way where he wants to be taken seriously as an actor, but also he's being pushed by Richard Lester to be funny. But then you know mm. the writers of the film said, well, if you're going to have Richard Le- uh, Richard Pryor, he's got to be funny. It'd be a waste of money not you know using him in that way. Um, so I think with Chris and you know uh, Richard Pryor that there is this kind of issue with sort of screen time and if you aren't too keen on the comedy then i think the film would ultimately disappoint you but i think everything with superman is great and i think everything in smallville yeah. is wonderful as well there is this it's, it's unfortunate that the film kind of it's, it sets up this kind of you know clark could be returning to smallville to be with lana and by the end you want them to be together because she loves clark kent she doesn't love superman she loves clark kent and that yeah. is kind of that's like the heart of it for me. And um, it doesn't really work out that way. Um, but also, you know, Chris gets to show his acting chops to the fullest, I think, as well, because he's kind of playing three versions of Superman, really. Once you've got Clark, you've got normal Superman and an evil Superman, uh, which is um, kind of the highlight of the movie for most people. Um, also, in terms of 
by that point, you know, the special effects team really knew how to sort of make Chris fly to, you know, uh, taking advantage of the Zoptic system and the wire work. It's got some of the best flying in the movie. So it's sort of like, as a kid, you know, when you sort of want to watch your favourite moments or Superman doing Superman stuff, you know, number three's got loads of it. Um, yeah. And it makes up for the kind of lack of action in Superman 2, which is kind of, it opens in the theatrical cut. We've got a great opening sequence in Paris, which I was always disappointed they dropped from the Donner cut because I think it's a, quite a good, yes. a yeah. good opener. Um, and then you've kind of got not much Superman action for like two thirds of the movie. Also, you get a bit of Niagara Falls, you know, but the end battle is, is kind of what everyone loves about that film. But number Superman 3, you've got, you know, you've got loads of stuff of Superman doing what he should be doing. Um and it's not kind of. As I like to say, I've, I've said it before. It's 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 Superman, Supermanning. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. uh, that's what I really love about it myself. Yeah, yeah. But we're missing agree. we're missing the crucial scene of Superman. Actually, that scene where Richard Pryor is describing all of the things Superman has just done in <laughs> South America, yeah. and we're just seeing like a brief highlight reel of it instead of actually seeing Superman do the thing. Yeah. I, I think my favorite special effect in Superman Three is Richard Pryor skiing down the side of that Vancouver <laughs> building. <laughs> It's one of the gags that should have been cut out, wasn't it? I think the worst gag yeah. is the um, the fighting of the uh, the cross oh, the, the crossing traffic. the two yeah, the yeah. two men cr- crossing sign, isn't it? The traffic scene that was really bad. Yeah, that that always even as a kid that always annoyed me. And mm. you know, a, a couple of very small edits, and I you know I, I'll I'll die on this cross. A couple of very small edits, and this that that the film could be vastly improved. I, I've always thought that. Um, it's and like you said earlier, Oliver, he plays he you know. It, it's such a charming film. He plays the, the three. He plays Superman. He plays Clark. He plays evil Superman. But he also kind of plays a more sincere Clark as yes, well. Yeah, you know, yeah. kind so of like a, a more, Clark, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and it's it really goes to show Chris's acting talents um, that he can do that and that he can switch from one to the other so well. I mean, that evil Superman is just a fantastic uh, segment of. It's one of my favorite of all the of all of the Superman films. Um, to watch him kind of, you know, evil. I always laugh when they call him evil Superman. He's more kind of mischievous Superman. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's become a sort of meme as well. Chris just like flicking peanuts or drinking, you know, yeah. beers and yeah, stuff, which yeah. is quite fun. But like you said, like it, it's it's Superman. It is Superman, Supermaning. You know, from the opening credits, you have uh, you know you have the rescue where he um, doesn't stop the bank robbers, but stops the the car. You know, the car is filling mm. with water, and the, and the, the driver is about to drown. And he does this great uh, change in the photo booth. Um, he comes down, he flies over the traffic, and he lands, and you know he flies away. And then it's not long before you have him at the chemical plant, stopping the fire at the chemical plant, which scene. is so exciting as well and the way that he stops it and you know it's just one thing after another the whole way through um and i i, I, I always wanna, it, i just want to stop you there alan one of my favorite bits in the chemical plant fire is when the fire chief if superman's flying away everyone's cheering and there's rain everywhere because he's dropped the ice thing or whatever and he turns he says that man's a miracle <laughs> and when i was a kid you i always could have sworn he said Batman's a miracle. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, yeah, because it's there's loads there's loads of action sequences that aren't really kind of uh, like in cons- they're kind of not really part of the plot. They just kind of yeah. stop some yeah. action. And that's what you that's what you want. You know, kids yeah. just like <gasps> seeing Superman do something. You know, and it's great. You know, nowadays they'll never have an actor sixty feet, hundred feet up in the air on cables. 
health and safety, yeah. you know. So none of these actors who play superheroes are not really being superheroes, you know. Like Chris yeah. is on cables, <laughs> on wires, flying over traffic in camera. Yeah. It's just like, you know, it's got the guy had balls. And it's always a little bit disheartening when you see the behind the scenes of a Marvel movie and it's, you know, Robert Downey Jr. with a lot of dots on his face at a mm. green screen and he's wearing sweatpants and you're like, you know, if... When you're a kid and you're dreaming of being on the set of one of these movies, that's not what you dream about. Like. No. And Chris, there was no muscle suits there for Chris. You know, I mean, he 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 really rose to the occasion. And like, it, there, it's just like, like you said there, Oliver, even the romantic, the romantic elements there with Lana Lang and Smallville. You know, I always think and I, maybe it's blasphemous in the Superman community. I don't know. But I always think that that relationship is a lot sweeter and a lot more believable than the Lois Lane. And I think Rob mm. going to disagree with me, but. I don't know. I really, even when I watch it now, I wish they just got together and that was it. You know, I, 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 I think there's so much more to that, I think, than there is with the lowest relationship. I don't know. I think it's down to Annette O'Toole, really, and her performance. Yeah. Because she just, you know, she's also being a, was a huge fan of Superman and the character of Lana Lang. So it sort of, sort of bleeds into her performance, you know, and she talks about it so enthusiastically as well. I think when you look at Superman the movie and you've got the great moment on the balcony with Lois and Superman, yeah. that is that works so wonderfully well. It does. Yeah. Um, and number two, that kind of, I don't know, maybe because of the change of director, perhaps. And um, I, I don't, I think Annette just kind of fires on on all cylinders come the third one and you just sort of buy their relationship. Also, you kind of really well underscored by Ken Thorne for that sort of the love thing. Who you have yeah. met, um, you've met Ken Thorne, mm. am, am I right? Yeah, yeah, what yeah. What was that like? That was, that was pretty crazy because um, I think around 2000, I think it was, um, I had emailed his agent. Someone had, I saw a link somewhere, and something about his agent, and I emailed him, and a couple of days later, he's, he re- Ken Thorne re- replied back. and Because uh, I wanted to talk to him about, obviously, Superman 2 and 3. No one had ever interviewed him before. He never discussed his music in any sort of magazine or anything like that. It just, I didn't know what he looked like, you know. Um, wow. So, and he said to me, oh, I'm coming to Cambridge, which is where I lived at the time, and because um, he grew up in a town called, or studied in a, place, a town called Ely, which is not far from Cambridge. And he was come back to see some relatives and said, do you want to meet up for a drink? And my friend Tim, who um, directed the Superman 4 documentary I did, um, and we sort of met up with, with Ken Thorne and one of his old friends. Ken was like in his mid-70s, but he had the energy and enthusiasm of a guy in his 40s, you know. Um, so we went to this Weatherspoons pub, and um, which used to be the cinema I used to go to. It used to be, used to be an MGM oh, wow. kind of cinema yeah. before that was maybe an ABC or a Canon. But this, this was a cinema that I saw, like Jurassic Park, Ninja Turtles, Adam's Family, and Hook. Um, they'd been converted into Weatherspoon's Pub, and on the top floor we had an arts picture house. Uh, so I went in there, had a chat about all his work, and he signed some LPs for me. And um, and he was, you know, he, he was so kind of approachable. You know, he wasn't this kind of, like, stuffy old man. He was just like, yeah. yeah. My friend Tim knew far more about Ken than I did, so Tim was talking talking to him about his other work outside of Superman, which often gets people a bit more interested. Yeah. Just like, if you Mark Hamill, don't talk to him about Star Wars, talk about Star something Wars. else, you know what I mean? Because you, you get his interest then. Um, so, yeah, so I said to Ken, look, look I, would, I would love to see your music kind of re-released, you know, because I think that, at the time there was only a sort of Japanese album of the... LPs, basically LPs converted to CD and only released in Japan. And yeah, um, yeah I emailed Michael Matasino, who sort of remastered the Star Wars soundtracks and sort of got the ball rolling. And that sort of, and it took years, you know, it took till 2008, something like that, and for the soundtrack to come out. 
So I remember Ken had, Ken had phoned me when it came out and said, Ollie, you know, if um, if you'd never met, if you never contacted me, I don't think this, this would have ever happened. So wow. this is That's pretty great. I was, I was kind of gobsmacked at the time. I was just like, just you just phoned, randomly phoned me when I was just a bit monging out somewhere in the heat. It was so hot that summer. <laughs> I was just like, who's this? Oh, it's Ken. Hello, Ken. You know, and, um, and he told me the great news. So yeah, he was. You know, he, I think he you know, unfortunately passed away a couple of years later. But um, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty special to sort of meet that guy and because I was such because a fan it, of his music because it got criticised quite a lot. I think. Yeah, because like obviously you know everybody knows the John Williams theme and that mm. John Williams composed the first film. But I think the work that Ken did on the second and third film, I mean, it's so underappreciated. You know, it's so, I, I'm not a composer. I, I have nothing to do with music, but I can only imagine what it's like to work with music, you know, originally created, say the theme created by someone else and then have to fit it in different ways to live action that's recorded and, you know, and make it your own at the same time. And he, he did a great job. It's, it's, it's it, the, the music is fantastic. He did. Um, it's it's a it's a very difficult skill rearranging music to make it work. Yeah. Uh, and you look at the Donner cut or Superman two, where Michael Thor oh. had essentially just copy and pasted tracks from John Williams' music. It doesn't work because the timing's all off. No. So yeah. that's what Ken's that's what Ken's skill was, and he won an Oscar for his work for a funny thing on the way to the forum. Um, so I mean, yeah, Superman two and three have the have a different type of sound to them um they are, they are smaller orchestras but players smaller players there but there's it's made up of you know people that worked on work for the london symphony orchestra yeah. but it's a yeah different type of sound but i i like it it's kind of it's more bassy it's kind of a bit more pop and upbeat sort of sound to it um it's always kind of a bit of a shame that he didn't introduce more themes for superman 3 yeah. have a more yeah. of an evil superman theme it's just kind of a a, you know, a rearrangement of the Krypton villains march to a certain degree. And, I, um, I do always, I, I do always wonder, like if if Williams had stayed on or if Thorn had, you know, come up with more themes, like because even General Zod and Ursa and Non, like they, Ken Thorn kind of reuses the 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 Kryptonian crystal theme or the fortress theme, whatever you want to call it. Like, mm. there's various kind of things like that where he's just reusing stuff rather than creating something new, but. What I love about Superman 4 then is, you know, Alexander Courage or maybe John Williams. I'm not really sure. Someone created a nuclear man team and it's this great villainous team that runs throughout the whole movie. That was, um, uh, yeah, that was John Williams. He wrote, he wrote the new themes for Superman 4. Because yeah. Alexander Courage was his, um, I think his orchestrator. So he would, he knew exactly how to copy Williams. Um, so, you know, he was the right guy to do it. You know, if Williams wasn't there, Alexander Courage would be the right guy to go to because he knows exactly how John works. And this, obviously he worked for Goldsmith as well, um, Joey Goldsmith. Um, but the soundtrack to Superman 4 is yeah incredible. It's, the best, it's like one of yeah. the best, yeah. like I, it's, I, I think, it doesn't deserve the film it's attached to really, does it? No, no. That, it's, that track for Fresh Air where they, that the, the awful flying sequence in Superman 4 where he's <laughs> kind of, rehashing the can you read my mind from that the score for that is incredible it's mm. so nicely done and there's a lovely little kind of um reprise then when they're on the balcony afterwards and i suppose i'm, I'm trying to segue into our superman 4 conversation because <laughs> you're you're also an incredible um kind of superman 4 historian and i want to if for anyone who hasn't seen it can you explain to us um the man of steel and glass and how that came about um, well, me and my friend Tim had, had always been fascinated by the production of Superman 4 because it's it's one of those movies that has this kind of like 
the end results, you know, the film is not very good, but it has a very interesting production. And it's like Alien 3. Um, it's when you've got a production with a lot of problems behind the scenes, it's often quite interesting to sort of research and find out. Uh, and, and with Superman 4 being, you know, shot in Milton Keynes, this makes it just like so fascinating. And it's, you know, it's so, it wasn't that far from, from me, you know, for, well, that time in Cambridge to Milton Keynes is what, just barely an hour's drive. So imagine, you know, if I, if I was older, you know, and, you know, fully aware that Superman 4 was happening in the 80s, in 86 being shot in Milton Keynes, I would have gone there like quick as a flash, you know, to see if I can find Chris. Um, but yeah, so that sort of stemmed that, you know, we there had been sort of videos or I think a couple of websites had covered Superman 4 and his sort of before and after of all the locations. So me and Tim just thought, well, we weren't going to do this kind of straight kind of like show a scene for Superman 4 and show what it looks like now. We've got to create a story behind this. And it was more yeah. about trying to make the UK look like United States, you know, make it look like New York. Um, and that was the sort of the goal of production designer John Graysmark was to try and make Superman 4 like it was being shot in America, which is very difficult to do. And Milton Keynes was the only place to do that because you've got a, a town that is just made of glass and steel, you know, so, um, but not very tall buildings, maybe like three or four floors or something like that. Yeah. Um, so you, I think the whole goal was, you know, for Harrison Ellenshaw to sort of extend, you know, the, the plate, extend the sort of shots with, you know, sky rise buildings with matte paintings, um, which didn't really happen. Um, so the sort of the plan was to sort of go to enough locations and try and film them all and also display the sort of before and after effect, but also kind of weave in the story that, you know, the, the difficulty and the challenges of trying to make, you know, the UK look like America. Do you think, Oliver, was it the fact that the budget was cut so severely by Canon that resulted in, say, the matte paintings not being inserted? Or was it, would, would, they, would they still have filmed there if the budget hadn't have been cut? Uh, no, they wouldn't have filmed there. No way. No. The budget originally because no. they'd early the early days of production they they had an office and stuff set up at Pinewood, so Pinewood Studios were going to do it again. They had all the facilities, they had the Zoptic staff, and uh, but then Canon said, "Oh, we you know we're going to do it at Elstree Studios, save money," and Pinewood were furious, you know, very angry. Yeah. Um, because you know, obviously at the time, you know, there wasn't much going on as well, so obviously Pinewood need the money. I think they just, I think this maybe just finished up Aliens, I think at the time. Um, so yeah, goes to Canon, they shoot there, they've got, and they weren't going to use this optic stuff with front projection because it's just too costly. So it went all with, with blue screen. Yeah. Um, so I think if the money was, you know, hasn't been, wasn't cut in half, many people say the money was cut in half and given to Masters of the Universe. But yeah. if, you, if you read more sort of documentaries recently, um, the toy manufacturer is it Mattel that did He-Man? They pretty much paid for most of He-Man, so Canon weren't going to pay the rest. So I think basically because Canon had what thirty films in production, that bun- yeah. that money that was going to go towards Superman was just kind of spread across all these other films. So that's what Canon did. They they would they would go to these trade shows and they'd announce uh, their big movie that was coming out and they'd show the poster and then they get funding for that movie, but then they'd use that funding to fund what they were already making. Yeah, it? pre-sale. You know what I mean? That was just like, yeah, sell, pe- sell people on a on an idea, you know, and then take the 
the money from different territories, you know. And there's a lot of the movies they didn't actually make. You know, it's quite funny if you Google some of the sort of trade papers at the time, what canon we're going to make, you know. Chuck Norris in this or Charles Bronson in that, you know. Never came to fruition. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. <laughs> it's actually an interesting... Um, Albert Pien did a commentary to Cyborg. I think he's. I think he released it himself. Um, no, mm. no, to Captain. What was it? No, was it? No, it was, it was towards Captain America. Sorry, this commentary he did. He talked about Spider Man and um, you know, sort of the difficulties of trying to make that film happen. But yeah, that's you know, like like um, I think I think the Spider Man is the one that people sort of are most fascinated by. Yeah, with their yeah. sort of idea of what it would look like, I mean, it would have been terrible, <laughs> you know, if it got oh, made. It would have been and like, there was, was He Man Two was going to happen, you know, which kind of. Oh, I the... wish. I, oh. I, I I always have this image in my head of like Stanley going to a meeting with Albert Pune and and Albert Pune telling him, "Okay, so we've got no money and we can't film it in New York, but what if we filmed it in Bulgaria? And what if?" <laughs> What if instead of Dr. Octopus, like maybe maybe we see the robotic arms at the start of the movie, but then they just get destroyed in an explosion and yeah. the explosion leaves Dr. Octopus with scars all over his face. <laughs> and, and what if instead of Dr. Octopus, he was called Hector Delgado? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I just, I, just, I think there's going to be with like the lizard or something like that in the, in the original one. I think maybe the Joe Zito yeah. version. I think a lot of it's going to take place in a sewer. Oh. <laughs> that'll be rubbish you know but trying to, oh. i think i think he i think he discussed how they're going to try and make spider-man you know crawl up crawl up the walls and stuff and yeah there's some interesting ideas actually um but you know there's only like a few principal sort of like promo shots of what they're what spider-man's going to look like um yeah yeah that's about it well to get back to Superman 4, sure. um, suffice to say, I, I know it's a dreadful film. Mm. I, I, I do love Superman 4. Uh, I do hope that they somehow release all the stuff into a giant big cut. I know most of it is on the DVD. There's a lot of stuff that isn't quite there yet, but I don't think it'll make it a better movie. I think it'll make it more kind of cohesive. But mm. uh, suffi- suffice to say, I, I had read a lot about Milton Keynes and how it had been shot there, and I was fascinated by that for years. I absolutely loved your documentary on it. And I actually took it upon myself to visit Milton Keynes one time. <laughs> uh, and I used, I used your documentary kind of as a reference guide. Uh, so, and I visited all the, the different spots. Um, and some of them are, you know, like the, the, there's kind of a good 10 minute walk between some of the different locations. I kind of pictured them all as being like right smack in the middle. But like mm. you kind of have to walk from the train station like... It's, it's kind of a five minute walk then down to the Duncan Bannatyne gym where the, the Daily Planet lobby is. And, yeah. Um, but I, it was a really fascinating day and I, I thought it was amazing just how similar all the locations still are. Like when you walk into that lobby, it looks pretty much the, exactly the same, mm. just with a staircase instead of escalators. And when you, when you walk into that um, kind of green roomy place that they used as the the museum of art and design or whatever you call it where yeah. Lex Luthor and Lenny that's still the same. Go. that's still the same it's the exact same and it's amazing and then I I the, the best part of the story is I went to the the outside of the building that they use as the United Nations where we see Superman do that really graceful but kind of awful landing <laughs> and I saw a guy with a Superman t-shirt on and he was taking photos oh really and I went up to him and I said, are we here for the same reason? <laughs> Fantastic. And he was like, yeah. He was like, I saw this thing on YouTube by a guy named Oliver Harper. And I just thought it would be great to come down here one day. And I've I thought I, I, I thought the twist was going to be that it was Oliver Harper. <laughs> no, <laughs> not quite. It's me. <laughs> 
But yeah, this guy actually, I should give him a little shout out. He is a cosplayer called the Hull Iron Man. And he dresses up as Iron Man for kids' parties and stuff. And um, yeah, so he, he was along that day and took loads of photos as well. And I just thought that was a lot of fun. It was a pretty stressful day when I shot that stuff because, you know, uh, we had to get up really early to sort of film the stuff at the gym. You had to film there before it opened. So we had to start filming at like, we got in about six in the morning. And I'd barely slept because it's one of the things where, you know, you know, you know when you've got to get up early in the morning, your brain's yeah, like, yeah. Just, oh, I know. you just can't go to sleep. <laughs> It drove me nuts. And um, then I had to sort of, you know, I sort of had loads of coffee in me, but I still had to talk to camera. And when you've had no sleep, you just keep forgetting your lines. I did. I have like 20 takes of these, you know, these lines to camera. But my friend Tim is, I lose my temper with him so quickly, but he's a bit of a diva I am sometimes. But he's he was so calm. He's so good at dealing with me. So And uh, he just, you know, didn't rise to my, you know, my anger. Um, but yeah, it was, it was... Um, it's funny because when I, I went there in the late 90s and we'd, uh, and it's obviously still the same. It'll still look the same as it does now. Yeah. Um, Milton, yeah. Keynes is, Milton Keynes is just a weird place. Um, yeah. And we, we spoke to one of, the, one of the guys who works in the train station. He said, yeah, I remember seeing Chris on the on the, on the the wires flying past, you know, in the morning or whatever, you know, when they were filming. This is, this is nice little stories you sort of find when people um, who live in Milton Keynes and still do and at the time and... Um, you know, they sort of just realised that there's a fan base for this movie. And, you know, uh, apparently Warner Brothers do have the full cut of the film because um, mm. Sidney J. Fury did deliver them the, the complete edit with all the effects finished. Finished to the standard of what we yeah. see in the theatrical cut. So it's not going to be like, you know, <laughs> yeah. they actually are properly finished, you know. But, um, but yeah, so I, I think maybe Warner Brothers will put it out at some point. But um, I think it will, it will I, be a far more coherent movie and um and hopefully demonstrate that the people that previewed the previewed the movie back in 87 whatever were a bunch of fools for you know getting it cut down but you know it's um one of those classic things of like just cut it remove two reels and destroyed the movie (laughs) yeah i i I do i do think there's some logic in some of the cuts they made like personally I, i i have to admit i i think the whole nuclear man one thing just never really sat right with me. It always felt a bit superfluous. And when you actually watch those scenes, I'm kind of like, I can see why they decided to cut all this out. I feel really mm. bad for Clive. Um, give me his name again. Clive Mantle. Clive, Clive Mantle. Like mm. I, I, you know, he's clearly doing a great job, and I know he was very, very looking forward to being in the movie and all. But yeah. it, it does make sense that I think that stuff left. What I think the movie is really missing, though, is all the kind of stuff in the deleted scenes where you see like like panicked newsreaders reading that there's like a nuclear missile on the way or Lex Luthor going to the Kremlin and saying a world peace is obviously just a capitalist plot. It's one of my (laughs) favorite Lex Luthor moments ever. Well, it's this kind of stuff with like Nuclear Man and Lacey, you know, just kind of those moments. Why they cut those? It's just kind of weird bits they decided to cut, which kind of, you know, like the bit, the bit always bugged me as a kid was when, you know, Nuclear Man turns up and just goes, where's the woman? And just like, it seems like you never find her. Well, how does he know who he's talking about? You know, it's just, they made no sense, you know. I, I always just thought it, that's just Superman going, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about, but I'm going to play along with this. Oh, you'll never find her. You know? Oh, what used, to, what used to drive me nuts was when he brought her into space. When he, when, yeah. when they just flew. Now, obviously, I yeah. presume that was just meant to be the sky or the night sky or something. I don't know if it was switched at the end or what I they did there. I never but, thought about that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was too. just that. Even as a kid, even as a kid, that used to drive me nuts. No, yeah. Um, 
but I'm 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 currently waiting on my Mark Pillow uh, personalized autograph that I've ordered from Jim Bowers at the moment. So I'm yeah, uh, really waiting till I've that. <laughs> Which is, both just as sad. <laughs> and just just on the subject of of um of of Nuclear Man, I always loved that character as a kid. If you watch Superman four as a you know a six or seven year old little boy, and you see this guy with a big Michael Bolton hairstyle and a big <laughs> yeah. You know, spandex suit and a cape, and he's saying destroy Superman now. You're like, yeah, this is gonna be cool. Like, I thought it was and cool. The suit was cool. Yeah, I liked. I liked Luke the Man because I liked. Well, I loved all the bolts of lightning that come off him. Very like, very big yeah. trouble in Little China. You know, with the style of yeah. animation. Yeah. I think it's probably the same guys who did the rotoscoping. But it's um, there's always kind of a weird. If you, in the Superman Four score, which is getting proper nerdy, the um, there's a kind of a musical cue when he when they bump into each other on the balcony, and you hear this kind of Luke the Man is supposed to get bigger in one shot. You see, oh. like Superman looks away when he's um, when Lex is sort of sitting down on the chair. There's a quick edit where you can see Chris has kind of looked to his left, but there's um, he's supposed to new command supposed to get bigger, um, sort of an extra power or something like that, which they cut. So it's kind of, there's, there's a musical cue for it. So he's wow. Alexander Courage has scored it. But it's not in hmm. there. So there's kind of other other interesting elements, obviously, because we see Nuclear Man turn into some sort of. I think in the comics he kind of morphed into this kind of missile. You know, it's a missile, bit weird, yeah. like some sort of GoBot. You know, um, but in the film we just you know spins and turns into kind of like orange kind of beam of light, doesn't he? As he sort of speeds across the planet. Because I, I remember in your documentary uh, as well, Oliver, you spoke about the cut scene with the Chris, Christopher's daughter and the and yeah. the tornado. Yeah. Um, but that that was in the VHS the oh, yeah. VHS copy that I had uh, yeah. growing up. That was part of the film, you know. So there was obviously was there, there must have been different edits. Two, obviously two edits. from it's two edits. There's the US cut, which we've all been given since the arrival of DVD. And yeah. then there's the international cut, which is Canon Films cut, which has those the tornado sequence and the missile sequence where he saves the guys in Russia with Moscow. Oh yeah. yeah. So those two scenes were in the you know because um, even though like the UK table one you had in Ireland had the Warner Brothers logo at the start, yeah, uh, that is still kind of Canon's cut. But um, the Japanese laserdisc has the canon logo and i think some other parts of europe have the canon logo at the beginning which is kind of a weird thing to see when you um when i saw a theatrical print of superman 4 like it was a double bill with that and street smart uh, about five six years ago seeing the canon logo come up with the thought that is weird you know just doesn't doesn't kind of fit with canon's logo but um but yeah i mean that's that's the thing since the arrival of dvd studios don't really deliver what the cut that was kind of released theatrically so like things like legend yeah. you know that was a different cut to the american cut um and in the case of superman 4 we, we've got we've been given the u.s cut since then um which is annoying because when you Actually, have like fbi warnings at the beginning of the dvd i'm like you guys have no jurisdiction here you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> this is the uk or so we think yeah um yeah. I, I one happy accident just on the on a on a similar note i always remember um Batman Forever when I finally got the special edition I'm a, I'm a big Batman Forever defender by the way <laughs> Another apologist. when the special edition of that finally came out in 2005 I think it was mm. I was there watching it going hang on a second there's loads of stuff in this that I don't remember from being a kid and then I looked it up and apparently the the, the BBFC quote mm. of Batman Forever is like they make significant changes yeah. to it they cut a load of stuff out anything, and, anything with a headbutt they cut out you know yeah like Attack of the Clones um, <laughs> had, like head, had, had like a headbutt in it by Django Fett or something and they cut it out so people and, and on the subject of heads and heads being chopped off and heads being <laughs> necks being snapped 
Um, I, sp- I suppose we could segue a little bit into thoughts on... I, m- I mean, we did discuss the, the sort of modern Superman a little bit at the start, but, mm. uh, you know, we're, we're kind of at a bit of a crossroads now where we don't... Like, we know... So just if for the listeners, um, you know, this will be going out in a couple of weeks' time or a couple of months' time. Um, they, they have announced that Warner Brothers are going into production with another Superman movie and that they're they're actively seeking a an African-American actor to play Superman and Ta-Nehisi Coates is... Uh, is writing the movie and J.J. Abrams has some involvement, but he's not going to be directing. Right. Um, but it, it's, it isn't really clear if this is going to be just its own sort of standalone thing or they're actually hoping to launch the new kind of Superman franchise with this. Mm. Um, and I just wanted to just see generally, Oliver, what, what your thoughts on the future of Superman in cinema is and, and where maybe they, they should go. Um it's a tough thing, really. I I didn't. I heard obviously rumors about um, African American playing Superman. I think there's been sort of like multiverse versions of Superman where he's mm-hmm. African American. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, it's kind of a weird thing. It's it's if they're just changing uh, the color of Superman essentially, you know, to an African American um, to sort of please a sort of a certain fan base. I don't know. It's it's, it's always comes back to the discussion of James Bond. Should we have a black James Bond or should we have a woman as James Bond? Um, I I think it has to be a, a strong reason to do that because if you sort of essentially kind of maybe changing a character who's been around for 80 years, maybe it does need a, a bit of a, a refresh for it to, for it to work. Um, but I think the failings of Batman versus Batman of Man of Steel or Henry Cavill's kind of version of Superman to a certain degree, uh, it's not a result of him being white. <laughs> you know, it's about, yeah. about the yeah. writing. Um, so I think... I, I, I don't know. It seems like a sort of knee-jerk reaction, just to sort of, I don't know, to sort of please the public in some way. I don't know. It's always a difficult thing to discuss, you know, without sort of upsetting people or people. Yeah, go, I yeah. agree with you, or I disagree I, with you. Just, just, um, I, just to give my own thoughts, I, I mm. one thing I am really excited about is Tanahasi Coates is an actual journalist, which there's never been a journalist wow. who's written a Superman movie before. That's pretty cool. And yeah. I, I, I've always said that, you know, if if they focused more on Clark Kent as a journalist in the Daily Planet, like mm. going on these investigations and following these stories and doing all the stuff they do in a lot of the Superman TV shows, but not necessarily the movie. Like you could do a great movie out of that. Well, so the, 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 that, that's the first thing. I, the other thing, I I think they really are trying to, that, that they're not just sort of casting a black man as Superman, that they're genuinely trying to, tackle the issue of blackness in america but mm. with superman so that they're, they're really going at it with an interesting angle yeah. um but as you as you as you said they're like the danger is warner brothers have a habit of taking these interesting angles and, and squandering them <laughs> well it's um well you know at the moment with with lois and superman or superman lois show where the how it's kind of how it's yeah. titled um that that is getting superman right at the moment i i think yeah. that's a really good show and Superman's doing a lot of Superman stuff, you know, and it's yeah. fun to watch. You know, even though it's got a bit of a sort of Man of Steel kind of look to it, I think they, mm. I think they're using the same cameras and lenses, perhaps. And it's graded in a similar way, but it's like, it's actually, it's far more fun and interesting than what they've been doing on yeah. a big screen. And yeah, so I, I think across the board, the TV versions have have kind of just managed, especially over the last kind of 20, 30 years, they've just managed to get Superman a little bit better than the movies. Yeah, I think Alex Ross had said. I think really what the problem was with the big screen Superman is that because Superman Christopher Reeve did it so well, it was so yeah. difficult to replace him. 
and that, that was the problem of the 90s. I think if Chris didn't have his accident, he probably would have done one more Superman film. Um, Do you think? I think so. I think he would have been, you know, dragged back into doing it, you know. Yeah. Because he was on a bit of a career boost at that point with Remains of the Day. And, and you know, even though Village of the Damned is not a great film, it's very TV movie-esque. Yeah. He's even kind of, you know, back on the big screen again. He wasn't kind of doing these TV movies. Um and he was going to be working with Francis Ford Coppola again, uh, not not again, sorry, but for the first time in something big. So yeah. he he was, you know, looking on the bright side of things. And fortunately, the accident kind of scuppered all that. So with Warner Brothers, you know, attempts to do a Superman film with Nicolas Cage was such a bonkers idea. And I think casting him would have been, I think in a weird universe, you know, parallel universe, that film exists. And it would be an interesting kind of fun film to watch where you're stoned or pissed out of your face. You know? <laughs> it got kind of Batman Forever sort of thing, I suppose, or Batman and Robin, um, where it was kind of creatively the wrong way to go. But it would have been visually interesting, I think, because Tim Burton. Yeah, because Chris Chris does talk about it. There's there's very interesting footage on YouTube of Chris at his, his only um, uh, Comic-Con, basically, where I think it was Dixie Trek back in 93, 94. And he speaks about the possibility of Superman 5 and how mm. that... And there was talks about it, but that Wayne Warner Brothers kind of announced the Lois and Clark TV show that it kind of took some of the steam out of it. And he didn't really hear much about it after that. Um, You mentioned earlier on that you were a big fan of the George Reeves show. And I know you've done a fantastic retrospective on the Superboy um, TV show as well, uh, Mm. which, uh, you know, that was it's a great it's it's a great episode of 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 the retrospectives. Um, were, Were you are you a fan of the older Superman TV shows like Lois and Clark and Superboy? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Superboy, I remember the first season uh, because it was, I think, it was, it, was on, it was on ITV. Well, in those days, it was kind of, you know, it was Angular TV. Yeah. Um, so I remember, I always vividly remember seeing that, the opening sequence going across the bridge, and da, 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 the Superboy yeah. theme tune kicks out. I thought it was great. I loved it as a kid. <laughs> and I think they only showed like half the season. I think the, the I, British TV, especially because they have so many episodes, like 25 yeah. episodes season per season, or Thundercats when they play, they have so many episodes, but they only play like half of them, I think. Um and yeah, I you know I loved Superboy as a kid, and I saw the Gerard Christopher ones on Sky, kind of when they were yeah. showing briefly. I think they even showed them on German TV when they were on cable. So I was just like, I didn't understand what was going on, but I just kind of liked what I was seeing. <laughs> um, and and you know, the New Adventures of Superman was kind of a strange one because it premiered on BBC One on my birthday. Um, so I was like, getting something new, getting something Superman. And I was not happy with <laughs> with, <laughs> with this interpretation. Because one thing, because I, at that point, Chris had not had his accident. Now, there was talk yeah. in the comics, because um, you could write in, to the UK ones, you could write in a letter and they'd print it. And I, I had two of my letters. No, one one of my letters printed and a picture I drew printed as well. I still, I still got them somewhere. Um, and I was asking about Superman 5 because I was watching a TV show called Movies, Movies, Movies. But it was later changed to Movies, Games and Videos. And yes. um, I was always I remember it well. <laughs> I was always hoping there'd be something Superman related. But I was having nothing at all. And um, I wasn't really reading film magazines at the time. I couldn't really find them in my local news agents. All, all we saw was like, computer game magazines that's what that's what i bought and um so this new show was coming out and watched it was it was the pilot of pilot episode of the show so it's like what an hour and a half something like that yeah maybe just maybe just under that um didn't have the superman theme i didn't like the costume the costume was kind of fine but it looked a bit like uh, like a half-assed co- cosplay sort of <laughs> outfit, didn't it 
And he only and he was only Superman for the last ten minutes of the episode. I was just like, ugh. And then I, I, Terry Hatcher though, great Lois, probably one of the best, one probably one of the yeah, best Lois. Yeah. yeah, he did. It did have the sort of Clark Kent stuff, you know. But I, I kind of he was playing. I suppose it's more in line with um, George Reeves in a way, where he's playing a serious yeah. Clark, and then he changed to Superman, and he had his hair slicked back. I was like, no, he has his hair slicked back when he's Clark, <laughs> and he has to, you know. I was, I was, because I was so enamoured with Chris's Superman. I just like any changes. Yeah. I was just like, no, he's just getting it all wrong. Stop getting Superman wrong. Um, <laughs> but it was. Uh, I did warm to it though, because I, I, you know, I think season two is actually really good. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I do have. I do it, have it, season one to four on. on it's on the casting. You know, they really hit the nail on the head with all the casting in that show. Mm. Um, and just a, a, one more thing, I wanted to ask you, Oliver. Um, in terms of say collecting and things, I, I saw you recently did a review of the Mesco, um, mm. the new Christopher Reeve release of the Mesco. Do you collect uh, memorabilia, Christopher, you know, Christopher Reeve stuff, Superman stuff in general, or was that just a, a kind of a once-off pickup? kind of because it was Chris or I've got tons of it I've, I've collected since the um, late 90s so I was, I was wow. part of a Superman forum of Superman cinema you might have been part of that I, I know, know well I no I know I know because that that was um, yeah that was a kind of a weird time because the 90s because you know I didn't know None of my friends like Superman anymore, you know. Um, so it was kind they, of... It, they, they just weren't cool. They didn't get us. That's the, Well, the, you it, know, was, that was you know, it wasn't particularly cool to talk about Superman in your teenage years when you should be chasing <laughs> after girls and not just like talking about Superman. And um, <laughs> so it was kind of when he hits, when I hit like 16, I just, my obsession kicked in. Fuck's sake. I was yeah. going, I was, it was the wrong thing to do. Cause, you know, um, <laughs> because I discovered... Yeah, because on the forums they discovered like these Superman films were extended. I was like, oh my god, yeah. a three-hour cut of Superman the movie. Um, so that was like my obsession. And finding all these cuts and finding out Superman three extended wasn't very good. Um, but it was through there I sort of my obsession came with collecting. And eBay in its early days was good finding stuff yeah. cheap. My dad had, my dad bless him, he bought me all four of the Superman theatrical posters. I think not like 30, oh, wow. 30 pounds each at the time. They all came folded. You're doing as, well. As I have, I have, came, the, I have one. I have the first one and the second one, and they're they're big money now. They're big bucks. It's yeah, a lot more yeah. than $30 you can get some now. Good deals, though, mate. You can go you can, on eBay. You, you can, can find like Superman 3 stuff like, for like 30 quid for like a massive quad Superman 3. Yeah. Or Superman 4 quad is amazing. Really good poster. Um, Ooh, so I, I, I was collecting all the press kits and all the books and sticker albums and all that. Not sticker albums, but, you know, tops trading cards, all the sort of genetic stuff you can kind yeah. of find on the movies. I'm not like my friends like Jim Bowers or Martin Lakin who've got like tons of stuff. I kind of stopped yeah. after a number of years where it became like too expensive, especially yeah. everything on Superman the movie is more pricey. Um, that's why I kind of I gravitated towards the sequels because you can kind of find a little bit more. Um, yeah, because I, I think the problem is it's like the Mezco or the, the new sideshow premium format figure, you know, mm. which I've ordered, even though it's crazy money. But um, yeah, <laughs> the like I think the issue for, for fans like us is or for me anyway, is that there was we were bereft of, of merchandise for so long. Like there was nothing really Christopher Reeve related, you know, that you could, you could go down to your local toy store and pick up Christopher Reeve action figure because he never sold his likeness. And, mm. you know, and now things are announced and they come out and you kind of feel this anxiety, you know, like if you don't pick it up straight away, it's going to be gone. And then if you want it down the road, it's going to cost you five times as much. So do you get it now or do you put it off? That's uh, the frustration you know, of uh, toy collecting, isn't it? I, you know, yeah. I and it's all manufactured that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just real 
the drama of toy collecting, I follow a few toy channels and know a few guys, you know, who run those channels and the and the frustrations they have with limited run stuff or things going out of stock really quickly and, and yeah. nothing gets sent to the stores, maybe a limited amount of supply on purpose, you know, to sort of encourage this yeah. kind of frenzied um kind of one you know all for one one for all trying to get you know the latest toy but in terms of the mezco thing i was i i saw it you know going for sale and i saw i i only got it because i saw a picture someone put an instagram picture i went wow that, this looks great i'm having that well, i had I've yeah. got the hot toys i've got the necker big 14 inch myself yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm quite selective if it's like 500 pounds or more i'm like no, i don't really need that so yeah. um yeah but you know I, you know if, if i had money to piss away then i probably would have gone yeah i'll buy it but i you know yeah i yeah. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't you know yeah i i to be honest i i ordered the premium format figure but you know that's that's i'm, I'm pretty sure that's me done now going mm. forward i you know with the hot toy and that i think that's that's going to do me for a long period of time and i don't yeah. think i'll be able to justify it to my wife much longer <laughs> there's, there's other you stuff i want uh, as well you know like, like i want you like, mentioned well, nicholas cage superman earlier on oliver i just want to show you i have a custom ah! nicholas cage counter figure <laughs> oh, that's amazing that's really good custom yeah custom design one that's cool man that's cool but there's other stuff you know i always wanted even outside of superman i i still want the sort of hot toys robocop we're sitting in the chair you know oh yeah you get robocop and he's in a chair <laughs> how cool yeah. is that um but yeah so i i collect bits and bobs now and again but collecting christopher e stuff is always i find the odd bits here and there and it's, it's some interesting japanese stuff actually like like singles on LP vinyls and like posters, which are quite cool. So I might try and grab those at some point, but it's, yeah, it's um, nice to get the, the original, you know, the, the vintage stuff as well and pick it up, especially, you know, you yeah. know, it, it, there's always such a great, like I, I picked up the, um, the original vinyl there for Superman, the movie recently, and I got it for like 15 euro, oh, yeah. um, on eBay, oh, you know, so little, little things like that. And it makes it kind of exciting to pick up these little, these little treasures as you go. But yeah, Oliver, um, I just want to say it's been fantastic having you on the podcast. It's, we, I've re- we've really enjoyed it. Um, it's Fantastic. been great uh, talking. Is there anything that you have um, going on at the moment that you'd like to talk about um, before we wrap up? Well, you know, at the moment I'm because um, obviously I produced and directed the In Search of the Last Action Heroes documentary. Uh, that was great documentary. Now, it's, it's, it's kind of weird now. It's more people are seeing it now because it's sort of finding its way off different streaming platforms, and I've not watched it in over a year. You know, it's weird okay. when you when you sort of listen to commentaries or interviews with directors and they asked them, when did you last watch the film? They go, oh, decades ago, you know, with me, I'm just like, yeah, I've not seen it for a long time. And, um, um, and that, that was finished like 2019. So it's that, at this time I'm working on um, a documentary on Street Fighter 2 called Here Comes a New Challenger. So I'm exploring its success in the nineties and all the sort of spin-off stuff, the merchandise, the movie, the anime, and just about nostalgia about the arcades and, and uh, console gaming from that, from that time. So I'm halfway through sort of shooting the interviews and doing more filming next week, um, which is going to be great because we've got some great cinematographers involved and he's got a 6.5 K camera, Cinecam. So wow. it's going to look stunning you know wow. um yeah he's, he's just got all these crazy ideas and it's like yeah just go for it mate you know go crazy so um yeah i'm looking forward to showing everyone a sort of a, a trailer for that in a couple of months where we do an indiegogo campaign so because a lot of people have been sort of asking me because they missed out on kickstarter and it's like well we will do mm. crowdfunding in 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 the summer so for those people who missed out on getting a chance to back it and get the blu-ray um so yes yeah, what i'm working on and obviously youtube stuff as well i'm juggling with a review on Van Helsing coming out and the following oh. a couple of weeks I will be doing 
Christopher Reeve's Street Smart, um, which oh, no one's really covered on YouTube, really. So be interesting. No, I, really, I, really interesting movie. Yeah, I watched it not too long ago, maybe about a year ago. I think it's on Netflix. I, I watched it on some streaming service. I think it's yeah. on Netflix at the moment, and uh, I had never seen it before, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I really thought it was a, a good film. Um, and in search of the last action heroes, um, uh, that holds up great. I know because I, I watched it yesterday evening. No right. um, it, <laughs> it's on Amazon Prime at the moment um i watched it on amazon prime so it's it's if anybody wants to check it out and, and do you have a patreon or anything um i do yes it's yeah, if you just got a patreon put in oliver harper you'll find it like my stuff on youtube just put in oliver harper and you'll find my my uh, large selection of retrospectives and audio commentaries brilliant that's Sounds great good. thanks a million for coming on oliver we really really appreciate it. it's been great having you no problem take care chaps very cool thanks very much oliver <laughs>